I'm Stephanie Coxon. And I'm Kathy Anderson Martin. And we are two women influencing real lives. So let's twirl. Reading, writing, and arithmetic. It's what every child needs. It's certainly what every parent wants their child to know and need. And it's what employers require. But yet schools and education and administrators seem to have some other ideas. Anyone see a problem with that? Hi, I'm Stephanie Coxon. And I'm Kathy Anderson Martin. Well, it's fall. So the kids are back to school and they're learning and they're focused on rigorous academics to help them get good jobs, support their families and succeed in life, right? That's what's happening. Well, that's what they say is happening, but I'm going to have to sharply disagree. And I think that if you've been paying attention for the last 50 years, um, everyone should be agreeing that this is really not what is happening within the school systems. Well, you may say that, Stephanie, but do you have any facts to back that up? Well, I bet you do. Well, okay, let's look at 2022. Um, 2022, only 36% of the U.S. fourth graders were proficient in math. If we go back to 2019, so this is our pre-COVID time, we're looking at 41%. And so we're still missing close to 60% of the population not being proficient in math um, by by the time they're in fourth grade. Yeah. And um, and the reason I, I applaud you, because you were able to determine it was 60% that are not proficient because you're good in math. So you're one of the, you know, you're one of those 40%. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Yeah, well done. But, you know, that is concerning because we always keep hearing about the pre-COVID, post-COVID. It wasn't great before COVID. And right. It's, it's worse. It It is worse. But I would say this is a problem that's been happening literally for a very long time. And I'm going to take this back to the 1970s. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was actually in 1972 where the first um, engineering textbook actually had to be dumbed down so that the engineers could make it through. That's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. So this is a longstanding issue and I think is very um, deliberate in many ways based on some of Dewey's principles back in the late 1800s. But we have more stats. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Before we before we get into that, um, we do, you know, we say, okay, that was a fourth grade stat. Right. Maybe it gets better as the kids get older. I hope so. so. Well, I am uh, probably going to beg to differ. Do you have um, that stat for the kids that are older? Well, okay. So let's look at eighth graders. We've got 26 proficient, 26% proficient in math and 33% compared to 33% in 2019. So again, we have, we, we've fallen backwards. Yes. It's gotten worse. Yeah. So not doing any better. Yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing that only a quarter of the kids, again, because I'm proficient in math, I think, but only a quarter of the kids of eighth graders, middle school, right before they go to high school, are proficient. And these are national tests, according to USA Facts. So we're not just talking about one school district or an inner city school district. This is across the country sampling of all kids or, you know, how they use them. Not every kid, I'm sure, but all the kids that take these tests. Yeah. So it's really quite troubling. And um, that that's the math number. But maybe other subjects are better. Maybe reading, you know, we said reading, writing, arithmetic. What about the um, reading stuff? What do you think about that? Okay. So let's look at 2022. Once again, we've got 35% of fourth graders who are proficient um, compared to 34% in 2019. So there we actually increased 1%. Okay. Are you, are you saying that's a good thing? 1% increase? 
Look, I am giving credit where credit is due any way I can give credit because okay. it's all we've got. Okay. It's, all, it's all we've got. Okay, because we still have, um, you know, two thirds of kids uh, in fourth grade are not proficient in uh, reading. And that's a real problem, I think. And because, you know, when you that you need to read and write and do all of those language arts for everything as you go on through school and, and college. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, and if you look at eighth graders, um, it's even again, it's even worse. So we're looking at 33 percent in 2019 down to 31 percent in 2022. So we have a serious issue. And I could clearly identify this issue when I used to teach at the collegiate level. That's right. You were a college professor. I was. Yes. Okay. I actually started teaching at the collegiate level as a as a an assistant when I was 17 years old. So I really? I did. Yeah. I'm impressed. I went to college, but I did not teach at that level. But please continue. Yeah. I actually graduated at 19. At so, age 19. At age 19. That's very impressive. Yeah. And so I, I saw... I saw trends because I had been in that, I'm going to call it an institution for a very long time. And one of the things I really found interesting was it was the early 2000s. It was when Clinton had done a work to um, like a, a back to work program, back to school, back to work right. program in order to receive um, monies in order to support your family. And so we got a lot of back to school kids coming through a junior college. Okay. And I was the only, so Matt- Trying to get their education. Trying to get their education. Yeah, it is. It, it absolutely is a good thing. And one of the things I realized, so I was the only, uh, the only instructor on campus that had enough math courses where I could legally teach math without being in the math department. At the okay. time. Okay. Right. Cause it's one of those things I, every free elective I had, I took math, statistics, calculus, like I loved math. And so I got dragged in because to math, basic math courses, because we were getting an influx of students who could not do any math. And so these students showed up and they were doing this really weird math. And I thought, what are they teaching you? And so I had to reteach the basic math to get them into math courses that they could actually receive right. credit for, for graduation. And I did not know it at the time, but that is what became the math that they are teaching the kids today. And I could tell you, none of those kids could do math. And it was very concerning. And now we're starting to see that same trend, but across the population. So your, your, in your inner city schools were the original test subjects. Um, it was, I was so livid that our government were teaching, um, our, were our government schools, our government schools were doing this to kids. Like I was right. livid that they were picking, you know, pinpointing certain demographics and feeding this to kids. Right. But now it's literally across the board and we're seeing it, it you know, where we we're, we've been going down worldwide in education for a long time oh, as a country, Absolutely. as a country. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And here we're just plummeting at this point because of what they're of what they're teaching and how they're teaching these kids. And it's just not appropriate. It's not good. I, my daughter, what I have two daughters and one um, struggle. I mean, from day one, she informed me at first grade that she did not like school and did not have to learn to read. <laughs> I said, <laughs> well, you kind of have to do that because she hated it. But 
we struggled and we helped her and um, she struggled with subtraction. And I remember second grade that, you know, summer between second and third grade, we worked with her to, you know, how you'd subtract, carry and cancel out, you know, all the yeah. stuff you learn to do. She finally got it, went to school. They, she came home and they were showing this weird thing. She goes, this isn't how we worked on it. And I said, I, don't, I didn't know what they were doing. And I'm obviously we learned earlier proficient in math. Right. And um, I was like, oh my gosh, you can't do this. I don't. And it took like three times longer. Yeah. Than what she was, you know, the simple way. So uh, you know what I did? I sent a note into her third grade teacher and I said, she's not allowed to do it this way because it's against our religion. There you go. Yes. Yes. um, Fortunately, the third grade teacher was pretty cool. She was old school. And she said, I know I have, do you know what she said? She said, I have to, I, she agreed with me that it was a ridiculous thing, but she said, I have to teach it this way, but I will opt your daughter out because of course it was for religious principles of how right. we do math. But it's, sometimes you just got to, if right. it's ridiculous, you got to be equally ridiculous. Yeah. But you have to, you have to know your rights, exercise your rights in right. order to push, push the boundaries a little bit. And I think that's where we are as parents. We've right. got to be pushing those boundaries because it's our kids that are going to have to deal with the future of being non-proficient across the board. I mean, I can't tell you how many times someone has tried to give me back the wrong change. I'm a cash user. I like cash. I understand, yes. And um, most of the time, literally most of the time, I can't even get the correct change back. And that's with the cash register telling them how much to give me back. So we're in a yeah. pretty well, big crisis. God forbid you're, you know, you hand them like a $20 bill and a quarter because you want a five pack or something that they might as well just close the store. Correct. Yeah. It's not going to happen. No, no. It's, but, um, you know, it, it is an issue and we see it. And I think, you know, I mentioned sending that into my daughter's third grade teacher. And again, I knew the teacher. So I knew that that probably be okay. Cause my other daughter had had her, but I think that's something we've discussed about with this show is to be able to encourage people to stand up and encourage people to speak out and, you know, stand up for themselves and find others that will help them do that. So, you know, you have to, certainly when your kids are involved. Absolutely. But I want to take on some of the arguments that people give us on why our education system okay. is, is so bad because I because am so we're not done with statistics. No. And I am so tired of the liberals saying we don't put enough money into education. It's about classroom size. They have a whole host of issues on why it's so bad. Lots of excuses. And up front, I'm going to say it's so bad because of the way you teach teachers and how you change the research on education constantly in order to dumb down the kids because you're not rolling out these programs correctly, nor are they good programs to start with. So let me- up about this. Her, You can't see it, listeners, but her eye is twitching. (laughs) Pretty much. Yes. I love education. I love smart people. And I think everyone deserves the right to be smart. There you go. <laughs> Can we get t-shirts made with that? Everyone deserves the right to be smart. Yes. That's a good idea. We just thought of it right now. So, so I want to talk about spending because this is this is a huge one. Okay. Right. So across, and this is, I think it's, con- it's As across, the across the country in the U.S., um, U.S. K to 12 public schools, the average spending is $15,810 per student. Now, take into account that if you have a special needs student, and this is a whole nother show, a whole nother show, a special needs student, that number is going to significantly increase. Right. And for a lot of reasons, because um, those kids have a lot of different needs and so forth. So we get that. That's right. So this is the average from Montana to New York City to Florida to California. Right. Almost uh, $16,000 per student. Correct. Now, and, and 
as I give the next number, I want it, everyone to be aware, this is the adjusted inflation, right? Uh, yeah, the numbers have been adjusted for inflation. Right. So yeah. 1970, we are spending 6000 per student and getting better outcomes. Right. So comparatively, um, again, we've increased our spending by almost uh, almost tripling it again because I'm proficient in math. So there we go. Um, and, you know, what are we getting for that? But that's a, a argument the left always uses. Like we're not just the, every problem is, well, we just need to spend more money. Right. It, it is. It absolutely is. We don't care because we're not spending the money is, is what it is. You don't care if you're a conservative. Right. When, in fact, you understand that money has nothing to do with it. It's actually what's happening inside the home. Many times of the outcomes of the of the students which again is a whole nother show because then we want to talk about how the schools have taken over as parents and how us parents have allowed that to happen and that we really need to rein that in but gonna stop there because i know that's a whole nother show that's a whole nother about the dollars it's spending but there we go i mean we're spending to me that seems like a reasonable amount of money and we're spending it on things that we should not be spending it on and my my biggest example of that is technology so we are going to these these Google laptops, these iPads. They are handing out all this technology to kids to right. incorporate because they want to be, oh, look at our kids. We're the right. best. Right. We've got the best tools, blah, 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 because that's how I feel about it. When in fact- and something new, so we have to change it all and upgrade. Right. Yeah. And we always have to, we always have to upgrade. Absolutely. But in fact, when you look at the research on retention, you lose about 20% retention when you're using those electronic devices. You need to get the chalkboards back out. You need to put the phones away, the computers away. You've got to go back to basics so that you have the retention. There is something about the tactile function of a, a tactile function that helps you when retain you're writing when them. you're actually writing things and when you're reading them as well. If you read a book, online, you're not going to retain as much. You're, you're just not. And so here we are. I mean, I literally had to fight for my children to have te- like textbooks to carry home. Um, and this was with my older kids. My oldest kid is 24 years old. So I've been fighting this for a long time, right. but I literally had to fight for for textbooks to come home because I'm like, I am not having my children learn from a Google laptop or anything else. They're going to learn from the books necessary if you want a good education. It's interesting when you say that about technology spending in schools. Um, When I started my career, I was in sales and marketing and I um, was a sales manager, national account manager for a large, actually international electronics company. So the technology was very different, you know, 25 years ago, but still, do you know, we trained, well, we trained new salespeople. The one industry we um, separated out was education market. And the reason we did it, because if you could get a school or a college as your account, you would make so much money. And you know why that was? Because they really aren't account. It's they spend other people's money. Right. So you could, I mean, you could stuff that a business would be like, we're not doing that. A school would take it, quote unquote, hook, line and sinker, especially because then we're going to upgrade and we'll do this. I one time sold equipment. This is no lie. I went in, they had it on a three-year lease to a Pennsylvania State Department of Special Education. I went in the end of three years to see if they wanted to upgrade. The equipment was a closet full of this um, of ma- machines, whatever, and different, uh, not like your laptops today. Right. In the box. The big room machines. Yes, they, whatever, <laughs> yeah. But they had not been taken out of the boxes. And I was like, they never used them. They paid for them for three years. And I said, well, I'm thinking, well, they're not going to upgrade. I'm going to lose a sale. They said, well, what's the new you know, what's the yeah. rate? They replaced those with new ones. You know why? It was in the budget. Right. And I, I they didn't even use them. And they I could be wrong. Them. 
but I do believe there's something that you, if you don't use it, you lose it in terms of getting yes. money. Yeah, that's why. So, yeah. And so there's there, no like, wow, we didn't use these for three years. Maybe we don't need them. It was, we have the money, so we're just going to spend it. Right. I mean, it's pretty messed up the way the government sees this stuff. And again, I'm so I'm going to use um, colleges as an example. So if we go back to pre-1970s, most students were actually working their way through college and could afford college. Yes. Once student loans got involved through the government, we saw that that money, what became ab abundant, right? And so we saw all these huge renovations, expansions, everything else for these colleges. And why? Oh, they love to build stuff. They love to build stuff, right? That's right. Um, regardless of outcomes, they want they want it to be Just pretty, right? right? Because if it's pretty, it must be good. Like right. that's their philosophy, yes. right? Um, but I can tell you, there's no way I'm going to send my kid. I mean, personally, I'm going to allow my kid to go to Harvard and then I'm going to have my support. Like, it's just not going to happen. I think that's one of the worst schools personally, um, you know, unless you're trying to propagandize your child, have them turn into a liberal and then not be invited to dinner, um, <laughs> you know, family. in my family. Yeah. yeah. But that, we're on, a, again, another whole Okay, whole other thing. But, I just yeah. want to say there's only two liberals in my family. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, well, that's it. And they just sneaked in the back door somewhere. We're not sure exactly okay. what happened. We have that conversation with their all mother right. all the time. And we in no way meant any disrespect to someone. If they are a graduate of Harvard, we're just giving your personal opinion, right? That you're not going to send your child there. Well, uh, well, okay. Well, so, okay. Just joking. Right. You're probably very smart. Yes. But uh, because we want everyone to be, have the right to, be everyone smart. has the right to be smart. Yes. Yes. So, um, you know, obviously there's an issue with the spending and the per cost and the, and the just mad drive to let's spend more money. We need more money. Yeah. Education needs more money uh, without any regard to accountability and how that money's being spent and what kind of outcomes you're getting for the money. Because right. Obviously and, and clearly, you know, as we've more than doubled that amount, we're getting less than what we were before. So it's not the money, people. Uh, Spread the word. It's not the money. I don't think so. Well, they also have some other um, things that they come back with. They OK, say, so well, what's another okay. what's another argument? Right, so they say, all right, these scores are bad. They're going down because we just don't have enough teachers. There's a teacher shortage and that's a big problem. And, um, you know, the classrooms are too big. And again, we're, we're talking on the macro level. We're giving you national statistics. So that may be different from one community to another. We totally get that. But did you know that there are and, and this, I think, was in 2020 or 2022, 16 students for every teacher in schools across America. Now, what was it back in the 60s? Well, I'm so glad you asked me that because I happen to have that statistic. And since you have the same paper, you knew I had that, right? <laughs> yes. yes. So we're good. So in 1960, what do you think that number was? So remember, past couple of years, it's one, it's one teacher for every 16 students. In 1960, it was tw one teacher for every 27 students. So they were teaching on less than half the budget. They're teaching almost twice the amount of kids, almost. Yes. And we're getting better outcomes. Yes. We've got Great a problem. Deal. I think we do have a problem. And um, of course, there are many, many other things we could point to and look at. Those are just some of the things you hear a lot. But the problem is our kids aren't learning and they're not able to perform and um, function, you know, whether they have their part-time job at the grocery store and can't catch change back right. or able to uh, write a paragraph, um, you know, for a resume or job application. Well, and my question to you, so I hire, do you, do you, are you in a hiring position? I, yes, I have hired many people and interviewed many. And how, 
how well do the younger kids perform for you? Um, not well. Yes. Not well. I was actually on a scholarship, a college scholarship committee, and this person gave out $5,000 scholarships. And then the kids who got the scholar college students yeah. would get, uh, write a letter, a thank you letter and give it to me so that I could go give it to the person who donated this money. Stephanie, now this isn't hiring, but this is, they were so bad in many cases. I was embarrassed to give it to the guy because I thought he'd say, I need, I'm going to need that money back. Oh boy. <laughs> it was that bad. I wow. Mean, that was their letters back. Like, uh, you know, it wasn't, it was the content, but it was the punctuation, the grammar. It was just awful. Yeah. I, I'm going to have to agree when I've worked with the younger generation, there was a huge learning curve that really shouldn't exist. And I like would say writing and, or just anything, almost, almost anything. I mean, even for them, the ability for them to function socially seems to be a, a learning process, you know, so they're going to schools. Clearly they're having social time. I went to high school. I, I know I socialize. I know yes. the kids are socializing somewhat, but when they get to the I, workforce, that was my favorite part of school, I was a, I did well, in school, but I that's why you spent most of your time in the hallway. Yes. And I feel that you've had those similar situations. In perhaps. Your, yes. Perhaps. Anywho, well, that's another show as well. <laughs> that is another show. So yeah. So with this, um, we're not getting kids who are even socially able to adapt. We're not having kids that are able to do basic basic arithmetic. I cannot have them write a paragraph, send out an email, um, do a social media post because half the time it's not grammatically correct. And um, so I, I'd say it's very difficult to find someone of the younger generation who has the ability to, to do, communicate. to communicate yeah, across the board, communicate. So I have to wonder what is happening in the schools well, to where this is the problem? Like, how did we get here? Well, I, I, I can even do one better. You talk about writing the paragraphs and this just came to me. Um, my job is executive director of a nonprofit, a food bank, but so I've been a nonprofit for the past few years since we adopted our daughters. But um, I, so I, we have a lot of student groups that volunteer. And again, college students I'm talking about. Yeah. I, and this is no lie. And my one, my friends who were with me said, we wouldn't believe you if we hadn't witnessed this ourselves. The one group was going, I was with a group of student ambassadors from their college mm -hmm. and they had to help us get donations and communicate with potential donors. And they were helping address envelopes. This is no lie, Stephanie. They did not know how to address an envelope. Like I had to put up like name, company, you know, street, city, state, zip code. It was like, I and they were like second, third year college students. They didn't know how to address an envelope. Well, in all fairness, there's something called email. And I think I you may have missed out on yes, the email okay. oh, but revolution. I still. So there's a little bit of an excuse, but yeah, that is a little shocking. But how many, but how many of those kids can write checks? Oh, they can't do that. Okay. Because they're I, so used to plastic. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, honestly, I even have to say that my own two are 21 and 23. One of them owed me money. I said I wanted a check and I cashed it. She went over uh, what are you, insufficient funds Yeah. because it's your fault. You held that check. I'm like, no, you have to take it out of your account when you write the check. So I, I'll even, you know, even in a good parenting, you, you have these moments. I of, cannot believe you just publicly I, threw your kids under the bus and myself, because apparently I fell down as parent on that with that basic education. I'm going to go home and ask all my older kids, at least how to write, if they could write me a check so we can understand this process. That's right. That's right. So I hope everybody, you know, is gaining some, like, I need to go check this to see if they could do this, but yeah, so there are, um, but it is, it, it's a really a bad problem. And 
uh, the statistics bear it out. And then the anecdotal epi- um, you know, evidence of the people you meet, the, whether you're interviewing someone or uh, approaching someone in the grocery store, it's a problem. Yeah. And, you know, you have to say, well, why and what is happening? And I think we have some information, maybe some insight into that. Right. I think so. I mean, certainly we have opinions on it. Yes, we do. And I think we're not short of opinions on anything. You're definitely not short of opinions. But there's there's probably in any in any issue, there's confounding issues. There's a myriad of things that we can talk about that are definitely contributing factors. And so I think we should get into at least some of those. We're not going to hit all of them. We may not agree. That's right. But I think it's important to get into some of those because I do think, you know, clearly we're heading down the wrong direction. We've been heading down the wrong direction, but it's getting worse. And so if we can identify those, if we can help people point out what they can do wherever they are, if their kids are in school still um, to help them or grandkids, because, you know, you want your grandkids also to have a good education. Um, generationally, you you want smart people in your family. Well, to, even if you don't have kids, but you employ people, that's true. Is, this is something you might be interested in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you have workers that work in your company. Or- that's true. We all, even if you're trying to get the correct change back as a consumer, <laughs> you go. If you, you go grocery, we shopping, all this is important. We all have an interest there in raising the academic level of our right. country. So your kids, your grandkids, kids. your employee employees, and um the person waiting on you at the grocery store. Yeah. So let's, let's just take a slight break here. We can come back. We can discuss some of those issues, but in the meantime, America out loud talk radio plays on the iHeartRadio radio network. You can also listen on our media player from any web browser, anywhere in the world. We have the best in-class apps available on Apple, Android, and Alexa, where we stream 24-7. And now you can also hear them on podcasts um, on those same apps. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix Rx. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix Rx is already famous for a powerful virus-hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. 
Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order, risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Out loud. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells, and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Okay. All right. We've noticed that there's a problem. And um, I think all of us do have seen that. And, you know, you would. Okay. Let me cut you off here. Let's let's just, I want to put it right out there. Right out there. Okay. We are teaching things other than reading, writing, and arithmetic. I was going to say, like, you'd think they're spending more time on it to get the scores up. But instead, what are they doing? Yes. every Everything but. We no longer care. That's what we should have called this, the everything but from (laughs) Educate. Yes. That's so true. Yeah. So, look, Pennsylvania, that's where we are. I don't know what's happening in every other state, but I can tell you in Pennsylvania, we've got kitty litter in some of these schools so that kids can appropriately identify themselves and feel safe and secure in their in their space. As a cat. You As- mean not kitty litter because they have cats in the school. They have human being children who say they're cats. Correct. Although I would not be shocked if they had learning support animals as cats, snakes, dogs, whatever it is, monkeys, I don't know, coming into the school with them. And I know that because I literally have had people come to our office and say, hey, can you, can you write this? I'm thinking, no, no, this is, this is education. This is, this is not a zoo. That's not what this is for. And I, I hate to be like that, but we need to learn to cope in society. Um, and just right. and function. And I have a lot of, I have a lot of opinions on why this is happening. Let me say that. 
But first and foremost, our schools are not teaching the basics. They have expanded into what they think they have a right to teach our kids. And I'm going to tell you right here, right now, they do not. They should not be, in my opinion, not be should not be doing sexual education of any sort. I don't know. Have you had a chance to look at some of the books they're putting in? I have. Um, you and I are in a women's group, and we had some guest speakers who've been fighting this about some of the books. Of course, everyone says, oh, they're trying to ban books and all that. And um, she had, and I you know we were, you and I were there because I think we kind of co-hosted the event. She had poster board pictures of mm-hmm. books that are available to your elementary and junior high school kids yep. mean, and senior <laughs> high, even that. And um, I took pictures of those and have them on my phone. And quite honestly, I show them around because when people say, well, they're banning books, it should, they, we shouldn't do that. And I show them the pictures. There's not been one person, whether it's a conservative friend or a liberal friend who went, oh, dear Lord, I can't believe because it is it's pornographic material. It is. I got physically ill seeing it. Yes. And that doesn't really happen to me. I can look at just I could watch a live surgery and I'm OK. I cannot. I got physically I ill with with these images. And they're so bad that. That at every state hearing, every television function, they are not allowed to show these images, but yet they are allowed to put them into our schools. That happened, I think, in our Pennsylvania state capitol. There was a group of conservative moms and so forth protesting, and they started reading and showing the pictures, and they were banned from doing that in the capitol rotunda in the offices because it was pornographic material, but yet it's available to your child. Right. Instead of learning two plus two equals four, right. you can go check this um, stuff out. And it's just, it's unbelievable. And, you know, like I say, if you just see it, if you say, oh, no, no, it can't be that bad. It is that bad. It is that bad. It, this is not about banning books. This is about protecting your child's brain, what they see and what they learn. Because let's face it, I have the philosophy, you know, that the reason kids are afraid of the dark is because you just read them a book that says to be afraid of a dark, that they've got a monster in the closet, right? right. Like we're teaching them these fears. They learn these fears from watching us, right? There is a reason why a child is afraid of the dentist after they've watched their father or mother be afraid of the dentist. We are teaching these behaviors. So what happens is learned behaviors. So what happens when we're in sexual education class and we're teaching alternative methods that these kids never had an idea of existing before, we're literally teaching them to, we're sexualizing our children. So that's one thing. It just does not belong in the school uh, at any point. And I think that, I mean, there's, again, like you said, we could go off on just lots of tangents with this but the other point goes back to as they're focusing on these things it's taking time away from what the core uh, function of a school should be to teach academics reading writing and arithmetic um so that that child learns those things and can graduate and go on to higher education or career that they can support themselves and their family and i and i want to go down the whole the whole emotional mental health issue we're having it's called oh are you going to say this sel the social emotional learning well it 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 goes into that okay and i think yeah no no please i just cut you off that's okay we'll do that but go ahead you're right so we you know so this whole concept is we've got to fix the mental health that our government started in the first place. So your your person who created the mental health issues through the masking, through isolation, everything else, all of a sudden is also providing the solution. That should worry all of us, right? It's kind of like with with COVID, we know is lab created. So the same people who created it also found you know the solution pretty darn quickly. And made a lot of money. And made a lot of money off of it. So anytime that happens, I think we should be acutely aware. 
One of the things, um, so Pennsylvania teams seems to be a really good test ground for education. That has been for many, many years. As a matter of fact, it was probably in around 2010, 2011, where they were one of the experimental states that were actually tracking students emotionally. Is that right? Yeah. So this was, this is not, this is not new. Okay. But what is new um, is a program called Cooth that they're putting into our, our, Schools. Now, is that a curriculum or what is that? It's not a curriculum. It's actually an app. It's a social, it's kind of like a social media app where a child can. Well, there's no problem with social media. No, so this can't, I can't see that we're going to have any issue with this. Right. right? There's, there's no research oh, that okay. shows that it's detrimental That's, to our kids all right, at all. To check, but right. go ahead. We're, we're being sarcastic, but please go on. So this, so this program is basically a peer to peer app. There's also supposedly practitioners on there that monitor things and guide the language. Language. But this is an app out of the UK that's really uh, focused around gender stuff, you know, the, the gender identity thing. And I, again, I think that's very dangerous. The reason that Pennsylvania was chosen as one of the premier states for it is because we actually have a law here that at the age of 14, if there is a mental health issue, the 14 year old can actually make their own medical decisions. So let me clarify that for everyone here. That means you're super depressed and you're struggling to make life decisions, but you have complete control over the drugs that you're going to take even at, if age the, 14. at age 14. And so someone, a doctor can offer you a Zoloft, which has a black box warning on it. Your parent cannot say no to it because it is your right to Would take it. Would your parent even know that you were getting it? Not necessarily, okay. no, okay. not necessarily. So this Cooth has the ability for schools to to put kids into this program and never tell the parent. So assess, so the program can help assess what your problems are Correct. and so forth. And then here's our recommended. Yes. And without so, the parents involved. Right. And so the idea is that we're going to, we're going to, um, basically the guidance counselors are overwhelmed. They have a way to, re- you know, refer out. This is that referral. And the parent is taken completely out of that decision-making process. And it's interesting because it's it's being pushed by both Republicans and Democrats. As a matter of fact, the main sub- Um, the main person kind of donating money towards it is a Republican supporter, huge Republican supporter, who's really good friends with Governor Shapiro, the Democrat. I think they're like best friends. So kind of weird. Yeah, kind of weird. Yeah, nothing surprised me, but go on. And I just don't know that our our representatives are truly thinking the long-term consequences of this program and how dangerous it can be. Because first and foremost, if your child's having an issue, it needs to be addressed in the home. Oh, and uh, well, as you were talking, I thought there's so many problems. There's one, a, a well, there's so many, I don't even know we have time, but a 14 year old making those decisions. I don't think a 14 year old could go to get a tattoo on their own. Could they? Correct. Okay. Yeah. But they could take Zoloft. And, right. Or they can change their gender in some states. Yes. Okay. So that's part one. And part two being that this is, should be a family. It's taking it, the bigger issue of taking the family out of it and putting government and we know better and we're going to assume control and helping your child, not Correct. you, mom and dad. Exactly. Even though you're financially responsible for any of the consequences. Correct. If that child goes and right. wrecks something that you're responsible. And it, it gets even better. So okay. in 1991, there were actually hearings on um, the drug Prozac because it was increasing the rate of violence. And they know there's a huge correlation between Prozac and the rate of violence. And as a matter of fact, if you look at the the kids that are gunning down people, all of them are on psychotropic drugs. 
all right. of them, right? So they knew this. The committee members who approved it were actually paid off. Every single one of them got money and they allowed it to go through. And then we have looked at this rate of increase since then. So we've got some pretty serious issues in that in that area to start with. So now we're going to have a huge money opportunity for, for the pharmaceutical drugs to come in. And, you know, you're, you're referring out to this app, this app might identify your child as a, as a problem with the, with emotions or, or whatnot. Now we're sending them off somewhere else to get their drug to help. Right. To, you know. Well, I, I heard, and I think that same women's group you and I were in, um, there was somebody mentioning that the school, their child did have some mental health issues. I mean, it was, um, a legitimate, and there are a lot of people that have struggle, you know, with various things, but had mental health issues. The parents were working on that. They had a counselor. They were working with the kid. Meanwhile, the kid's talking to someone at school who was referring the child for help elsewhere, which was totally opposite guidance and stuff that the counselor that the parents had enrolled the kid with was presenting. So they were working against each other. Can you imagine that kid? But it was all because the parents had no clue that that's what the school, and that's right here locally that was happening in Pennsylvania. The parents had no clue what was being happening through the school. And that's just wrong. I mean, that was a responsible parent who was engaged, helping their child with some legitimate problems. And the school's like, you know, we're going to do, we know better and we're going to do this. Right. And that's just wrong. We're looking at the degradation of the family by the government. Right. And, And here's the thing, guys. What everyone here needs to realize, we, within our 14th Amendment right, it has been upheld, parental rights have been upheld. Um, The Department of Education, the Department of Health, they're trying to take away the rights of parents to decide education and the upbringing of children. But yet the the fundamental right um, from 19, and it goes back to 1923 in the 14th Amendment, and it's uh, it was affirmed in Myers versus Nebraska that no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States. Um, you have the right as a parent to be a parent. You've got to start using and that guide your right. court child accordingly. And God, yeah, guide your court your child accordingly. Absolutely. Um, we've got to learn our rights because right now. And I don't know if everyone remembers this. We were labeled, the parents showing up to the school board members because they cared so much about their children were being labeled as domestic terrorists. Yes, that, that was the parents showing that started in the past few years, really getting active, you know, because the masking and the uh, immunizations and all the craziness in the schools with COVID, um, they were being labeled and still are, I think. And, you know, you and I know some of those women uh, yes. from our uh circle of friends. And I can assure you all the ones that I know who've been very active in school boards, that was me at some point when my kids were little, not to the level of craziness now, but uh, I don't think in any way, shape or form, they are terrorists at all those middle-aged women. No, no. They care about their kids. They care passionately. As they should. Yes. And they are protecting their kids and are defending their kids. And again, that's what we should do as parents. And this, so this is really becoming a war of sorts between, you know, parents versus government. I think we're waking up to the idea that government has taken control of our kids through through small things. I will tell you um, personally, I'm not handing in school excuses. I never have for my kids going to a doctor's appointment. If I say my kid was with me, my kid was with me. That's not the school's business where my kid was. What is the school's business is, is my kid academically achieving? And if the answer is yes, it does not matter what is happening in my private time and what I need to do for my child to make sure they are academically achieving. And one of my examples of this, I really got into it one school district because I've, with my older kids at the age of 12, we had read a book. 
And I would pick, um, I wanted to pick one up and go to launch to have the discussion about the book. One of the kids. One of the kids. Your kids, one Not of my just kids, a random no. Kid in the school, okay. but they wanted to because so I wanted we to need to qualify, right? Okay, but because I wanted to pick my kid up during lunchtime, they were going to give him a half day, um, a half day like tardy part or, or absence. absence. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, well, this isn't this isn't right. My kid is achieving academically, achieving athletically. You have literally no complaints about my kid. He's never been in trouble, and yet you're telling me that he I'm going to be get sent to a um a, a officer and get fined fined six hundred dollars if I take my kid to lunch. You know that's that's, right. that's not okay. Well, and I think with COVID, parents that came in, I remember going in with my kids to have lunch occasionally. They weren't, they didn't want them in school. Right. right? They, we don't want you in here. We don't want you to be board meetings. Right. Like, they don't want you to see what's going on. I think that's where uh, during COVID, one benefit, you know, the kids being home, I mean, there were no benefits, but people, I think, got engaged in parents because they saw on the screen what this, some of this craziness that the kids were doing and said, no, I'm not going to do that. They didn't know it before and they um, got involved. And, you know, I, I had some of that to a smaller issue. And, and, you know, use there's bigger, like more overt, like we said about the kids who are going for counseling and the 14 year olds that are getting these medications that the parents aren't aware of. That's, that's big. Even the little things. I remember my daughter in elementary school one time came home and said, the librarian asked us to write a letter to president Obama, thanking him for the library books that he bought us. And I said, tell your librarian to send your letter to your parents because we bought the library books because taxpayers buy your things in the school, not Obama. That's right. I I love that. But I say that that's an insidious thing to say, hey, what you have, kids, is all thank you to the government and to the president. He made this possible. No, no. Everything you have in that school was bought and paid for by taxpayers. That's right. And, you know, that's what it's those little things. And it's the big things. Yes. And our and our because it's not their money, they're willing to spend it. Well, I call it OPM, previously. OPM yeah. other people's, people's money, money. And they forget that. That's exactly right. And so we, if, if, you know, there's a school district near us that actually hired a PR firm for $5,000 a month. That's my school district. <laughs> it really is. So I am so sorry. That's okay. But who thinks that's okay? Why does a school, you're, again, your school is there to educate. A PR firm should not be necessary if you are there to educate because the consequences of a good education is going to be apparent to everyone in the community, right? Well, right. And we started with all those statistics, you know, and then what's happening. So the PR firm, obviously, obviously you have PR issues or you want to spin your PR uh, to the public if you have to invest in a PR firm. So that's a whole nother topic again right. that we could probably do and a whole nother show on. But what's happening with the curriculum and so forth, that same school district that shall remain nameless um, had a uh, unit in science where they said, basically, you should never do your own research. This is a curriculum. Now, you know, science, the scientific method is all about experimenting and trying things and seeing what your results are. When I got my PhD, the very first thing we were told. We should note that you have a PhD because you are smart. You're, oh goodness. Yes. But I just want to point but out everyone has the right to be smart. Everyone right? has the right to be smart. That's right. But you know, the very first thing we learned as a PhD is that the research is never finished. And you always finish a paper like that. You literally state more research is necessary. So let me say that before we get into this. Continue on, because that's how big of a deal it is at at that level. Yeah. Well, again, they told basically said, don't do your own research. Ready? trust the experts. 
are we talking about Fauci? <laughs> I don't know. It's no, they didn't identify the expert. Again, it's more the big, the bigger problem with that whole theory. Like, hey, you don't have, you don't know, you, you shouldn't trust yourself to look into this, you know, just trust what someone else told you. And that's a bigger problem. And, you know, when we have these, when we have these numbers that they're not proficient in math, reading and so forth, it's also goes to critical thinking. Correct. And so are we saying the experts may not be the experts, Kathy? That is true. But again, that could be a whole nother shell. I, I feel like that example. I feel like that example could get us our food poisoned or something <laughs> like that. Be careful with saying that. But again, that's you were always encouraged to experiment. That's how the greatest discoveries that have ever happened because people challenged what the experts said. Absolutely. You know, and let's look at it in the medical field. The first person, the first doctor who said you need to wash your hands so you don't just spread disease from person to person was was actually considered a quack and thrown out of medicine. Right. I mean washing your hands. Yeah, because he questioned the current science. Right. I mean, technically, we would still be um, using leeches if someone had not questioned the science. Right. Well, exactly. I just read that, that women back in the I don't know when, you know, middle uh, ages or whatever, put leeches on their skin to make it more pale. You know, so because that was the in the vote in vogue. So right, well, you lose so blood, much. your iron levels go down. Right. You get you, that's probably why fainting was also a thing. Right, but somebody thought that was a, good, a good idea, idea. and then someone said, "I don't think this is a good idea." And you know, that's that's that that's just one. I mean, there's so many things. There's so many examples, and we're losing that, and we're losing that. We we have been taught to follow authority without question. So by the time we become adults, we're no longer questioning. So we go back, we're not allowed. I was actually suspended from school, kicked out a couple of times because I questioned my teachers too much. Oddly enough- college? No, it started early. When? It, it could have started in first grade. It could have. It could, maybe a three-day suspension. Okay. <laughs> it could be. All right, um, go on. Yeah, I yes. And then again, in 10th grade, I think 11th grade. And then finally, we decided that I should graduate a couple years early and just be done. We decided. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Got it. And it worked out. But and I would also like to point out that I was correct in some of the situations. Not okay. all. I well, may have pushed because yeah, you were first. Grade. I, yeah, yeah, first grade, I probably should have been more respectful in the right. way. And there is certainly a balance between questioning and also um, having rules that, you know, make society um, livable and that we follow yes. maintain order. I mean, you you know, I you, do like order. Yes, yes, absolutely. You can't have chaos, but, but is, right. We need respectful questioning. We need respectful debate. We need to be able to question absolutely everything. And that's what has made us so great um, in the U.S. up until recently when I mean, I don't know about you, but prior to three years ago, I'm not sure that I was awake to know how much propaganda was coming at me versus me thinking through what was actually happening. Um, this I was think a, a lot of eyes were opened within the past few years. Yeah. Yeah. And in awakening to that has really opened my eyes across the board to how fraudulent almost everything is that's been delivered by our government. Well, and that concerns me. We get back to, you know, the schools, if the kids aren't being taught how to think and they're just saying, Hey, you, you can't, you're not capable of doing this. Just trust what someone else says. That's a bigger problem. So there's so many problems. There's that, which creates yeah. a lot of other issues. And then there's those basic skills that they don't have either. 
Right. You know, but what do we do? We keep introducing all these other yeah, apps. We're, and so we're yeah, we're focused on the emotional side. We're focused on um, let's make sure your dental visits are are in and we're getting checked for scoliosis because parents can't take their children to their their own doctors to do that. Because they're doing medical clinics within the school. You're doing medical clinics within Which, the again, school. takes away from the parent, what the Correct. parents should be doing, managing the health care of their child. Right. Really, when you walk through those doors, there's really just a few things that should be happening within the school. In my humble opinion, is that it is about education of the basics. You're reading, writing, arithmetic. I don't think they've gotten history correct. So I'm not even sure okay. that should not be provided at home. It's questionable. My brother's a social studies I did teacher, like so, him. Yes. yes. So, I, yes. Yeah, so, uh, but you're right. The basic education and we're adding so much to it. And then meanwhile, the kids are graduating and they can't do performing. And, you know, and again, we're trying to think, we're trying to throw out all of these different issues and causes and problems. Then that uh, employers hiring people. I was with a CEO and he was complaining about the people they're hiring. They're trying to hire and how they don't know the most basic stuff. And you know what I said to him? I said, you should go to your school districts and talk to the superintendents of schools. I said, you have these kids that are coming from certain districts and tell them, I we can't, not kids, I mean, they're adults. Right. We can't hire. You need to produce a better product so yes. that we can hire them because they're not prepared. And um you know, so the, and the social, and they're not going to be prepared by all of their units and curriculum on social mono and, you know, kumbaya moments. And, and again, right. that's important. You have to get along with people. You have to have um, all of that, but that, that seems to be the takeover of this SEL social emotional right. learning versus the basic education. Well, we've lost the art of discord, right? That's not what they're teaching. They're teaching that you should not be offended versus well, you should be able to have a conversation with someone and be okay. Well, you should be, um, you know, um, you should tolerate everyone and accept when you don't agree with me. Right. So and if you all, don't, you're a terrorist. It's all diversity, except when you disagree. Right. That's and a, you're a conservative mom who comes to a school board meeting, then you're a terrorist. It has nothing to do with respect. And right. you're, you're dragged out. Right. Yes. Right. That, so, that's where we are. Yes. And it is very concerning. And, um, you know, we get into this and, you know, we say, what do we do? What, um, I know you and I have talked about this because yeah. in the past few years, we found a group of women that, um, we were invited to an event saying, Hey, we're tired of being talked down, talked at. And, uh, 20 women came around the kitchen. We met together and this is just education. I mean, this is about everything. Right. And we kind of, and that has morphed into a couple hundred women who are yes. involved. And we, we've said, we've kind of found our people in Absolutely. middle age. Love um, COVID. <laughs> Yes. During COVID, the COVID we have said, and we, I don't know if we're supposed to say it, but it's been the best thing that happened to us. It has. We have, we do. We have found our tribe and our tribe have, have become committee members for the GOP. We have become school board members. We have literally run for all kinds of offices and yeah. this judge of elections and inspector. So it's important to find your people. And I think that helps too, when you're faced with these things, like in your school, you know, and the biggest thing and the takeaway as we, our time is ending is what can I do? Right. You know, and the biggest thing is you have to be aware and you have to be, know what's going on. Absolutely. And maybe you're a little intimidated to go out and find it. Find a friend. Find a friend. And we found that through our group. Yeah. We showed up at school board meetings in multiples so that no one was ever alone. Right. And they share information and they yeah. have groups. So find a friend, send emails, call teachers. 
Um, you know, just that thing I said about, hey, she's not learning it this way because it confuses her. No. Right. You know, Stand so- up for your child. They Absolutely. they not every child learns the same. Be clear. And when you need to say it's your 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 religious right to be educated. <laughs> yeah, I get an appropriate way. Meet ridiculous with ridiculous. Absolutely. And you know, tell your kids, I see this. The conversation has to start with your own kids. You have to say, I want to know. I want to know what's yes. on your cell phone. I want to know what apps they gave you to do and have that relationship because they should be telling you and you should not be afraid to ask. I told my kids, your privacy means nothing to me right, when, right. when I pay for your life. And I also tell my kids that at no time do you ever have to follow authority. If you're not sure, you say, call my mother and you sit there in silence. Right. You if never, if something's if, not right. If, if something's not right. Yeah. Um, I, I tell them they have a right to say no at all times, but get me involved, get my husband involved right. respectfully. respectfully. And I say, you don't have to fill out a survey. You it, you have the right to say, no, I'm not comfortable filling out the survey. Why? Because there's a lot of questionable surveys coming through to our kids without parental knowledge. So, you know, you want to get involved. And I will say you cannot be an expert in everything, but you Correct. can make a friend who is an expert in something else. Right. And it's kind of more fun. We've said this. We like to have fun. Yes. You know, you can go to a school board meeting and be really intimidated. But when you're with your friend and if they're yelling at you and stuff, then you can turn it into a joke and go out for a glass of wine afterwards. Absolutely. Organic, of course. Or Organic red okay. wine. Well, okay. that's one of us. I'm not too worried about that. But anyway, to, um, you know, to make, to find strength in finding your people, meeting, texting and sharing what's happening and form a group. Yes. Your own PTO organization. Yeah. Meets in your kitchen. I was going to say you can create a side organization and start taking over where you wherever you are. Right. You know. So remember, it's up to you. Doing what you can where you are. So wherever you are, whatever you can do today, stand up, step forward, and speak out.